0: time to set foot inside the morgue with your hosts lee carl and rob
1: an evil force took his life an unearthly power has brought him back he is a phantom a wraith a cosmic spirit given another chance
2: uh are you new in town
0: yeah who's the kid
2: i turned my back and the next second he was there Like magic, almost.
1: You ever seen one of those before? Nah, let's just add it to our collection. There's a kid out there using his car to kill people. Not that it's such a big deal, since it seems to be your gang he's got it in for.
0: Hold on! Grab the shotgun, Mama Luca.
1: I see his eyes, Loomis. Who are you? Who are you? The Wraith. If you've done nothing wrong. You've got nothing to fear. Hello and welcome to the Manchester Movie Morgue. This week we're reviewing The Rafe, uh, 1986 film starring Charlie Sheen. But before we get into that, uh, we're going to ask you what you've been watching, Rob and Carl. So I'll start with you, Rob. What have you been watching this week?
2: Yeah, it's been a strange one because usually I watch films constantly. Um, but <laughs> I've actually pulled away and I've tried to watch uh, just a bit of a mix. So I've done some documentaries and some comedies. So I've started watching. Um, I rewatched the first season of a comedy called Dead Pixels on um, Channel Four, which is about these free uh, obsessive gamers who play um, a game which is like World of Warcraft called uh, Kingdom Scrolls. It's a made-up game, and how they're completely removed from reality and they can't cope. And it's pretty funny. It's pretty decent. It's also quite tragic as well, and I think that's when comedy is really good when it's got that like, tragic yeah, it's comedy. Good yeah. And uh, the second season's just started. If anyone's interested, it's on Channel Four. Every episode is available now. And then I tried, um, I tried getting into a uh, back, which is the uh, I suppose for many people it's like Peep Show too because it's got David Mitchell <laughs> in it. And, uh, um, and I watched. I started watching the first season again to remind myself a bit because I, um because the new season's out and it is. It's not laugh out loud. It has wry moments. It's quite cruel. I mean, both both of those comedies are both mentioned have a cruel element, but I really, it's really quite cruel. You've got David Mitchell's character letting his ex wife sleep with his her new boyfriend in a, in his portable caravan he's living in, and he has to listen to the, listen to this going on. And just, that's, there's some elements in it which are like a little bit too far. But yeah, it's it's not. They're probably the two best. And then the, big do- um, the other thing I watched was um, I'm watching a documentary series called um, uh, Tiger Woods, which is obviously about the, uh, the golfer. And it's, uh, and it's just, um, you know, it's quite fascinating, actually, how this mercurial winner, but also the damage it has done to him to become that, and it's kind of, it makes you question that how far we go for success, um, you know, how far we take it, because this is a man who, who had everything, but he's, he lost a lot in order to win those things so yeah it's it's been there. Uh, um they're, they're my picks the, these weeks so um they're pixels good, and good they're choice. Back, back and tiger woods which is uh tiger woods is a hbo one but i think it's been posted online everywhere so you, you can catch it if you enjoy you don't need to be into sport to watch the tiger woods one either. it's just really about uh, the building
0: and destruction
1: of a person really <laughs> so yeah it's good, one. good stuff and what about you carl what have you been watching
0: um, I'm similar to Rob, really. I've been, um, I've been kind of not away from the TV, but I've, I haven't really kind of sat down and watched anything in particular. Um, I did catch the last episode of uh, Mark Kermode's Secrets of Cinema, which is all about cult cinema. And that's, uh, that was really, really good. I really enjoyed that. I recommend that to anyone that's on BBC iPlayer. In fact, the rest of the series is, uh, is posted up on the BBC iPlayer at the moment. Good stuff as usual uh, from come and it's written by the, uh, famous film critic, uh, Kim Newman. So it's got kind of good pedigree behind it. Um, the other thing I've been watching is a, um, a show from 2019. It's kind of, um, it's kind of a really dark comedy called back to life. It's about this, this 40 ish year old girl who, who ends up kind of going to live back with her parents after having served, what seems to be like a, a life sentence for having, having killed someone years before and um so it's 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 kind of funny and it's dark and um it's only six episodes and it's of which are, you know they're half an hour each so it's nice and digestible you can watch a couple without kind of you know eating too much into your uh kind of evening time but i'd I'd recommend that it's it's um again it's not ne- necessarily laugh out loud funny but it's certainly entertaining and keeps you watching and it's it's interesting as well because it's, it's it's kind of that like good mixture of uh of comedy and kind of darkness I wouldn't say horror but certainly very dark themes
2: I've seen it myself I would say it's like drama comedy isn't it it's like a yes. the person, yeah the person who wrote it is
0: like she's
2: great in it isn't she the lead she's yeah the lead
0: it, it? is um, yeah. also wrote the show she's called Daisy Haggard and uh, I only yeah. found out a little bit earlier that she's the daughter of a famous film director called Piers Haggard which I had no idea about so um mm. obviously the uh talent runs in the family lee what about you what have you been watching uh, since we were here last
1: again not a massive amount the only only seen one film death sentence from 2007 Ooh. starring kevin kevin bacon and it's written it's scripted by brian garfield who wrote the original death wish novels yes uh, and it's based on the second novel but by the same name death sentence and it's a, similar to this movie it's a revenge movie uh, similar to the wraith but it's uh very much explains a lot more than the Wraith does. It goes into detail. You, you see Kevin Bacon's character, who you see him evolve from an ordinary family man into a killer, and is because he's basically his son's killed in a very tragic robbery. And uh, you see him sort of taking out the gang one by one. You know, it's, it's a fairly familiar story that we're used to with, with revenge films, but it's done well. Yes. Uh, it's direct, directed by James Wan, who did the uh, original Saw movie. Uh, I think he's now a producer, and it's it's well written, it's well acted, and uh, definitely say check it out if you like that, Just particularly if you like obviously Death, Death Wish.
0: That's great, Alec, because I, I was um, I've been looking at Death Wish two lately, thinking about the, the the soundtrack in particular, and Death Sentence is yeah, like you say, it's Brian Garfield's sequel novel to Death Wish. Mm-hmm. And I think when they were originally going to make the second Death Wish film with um, uh, Charles Bronson back in 1981, they were going to um, they were originally going to do Death Sentence, the book, but for some reason they changed their mind before they started shooting. They kind of just created a like an original film sequel instead. So yeah. I'm I, I'm surprised. It's a title I've never seen and I'm aware of. And I will uh, I'll take you up on your recommendation. Check it out. And we'll, I'll go yeah. and watch that. Thanks, Lee.
1: Good stuff. It's uh, it's very, it's got like elements of Taxi Driver in there as well. It's kind of, uh, yeah, it's well done. Kevin Bacon, I like Kevin Bacon. He's, he's uh, the nice man Hollywood, I believe. So uh, <laughs> it's good to see him in a good film. I like um, Taxi
2: Driver. Uh, taxi Driver shows you what to do on a first date, doesn't it? It's good advice on a first date. Rob, <laughs> uh, you've lived your life by this, uh, this rule, haven't you? The, uh, the first date <laughs> um, rule. <April. laughs> on a first date, remember to take her to an adult movie and... Uh, And then sit in stultifying silence, it's brilliant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, on that note, I'm going to get into another revenge film, uh, The Wraith, 1986, uh, starring Charlie Sheen, and uh, I'm going to read out this uh, plot summary. So the movie begins with four spheres of light descend from the night sky, come together and collide in an isolated desert crossroads. Their collision reveals in a bright flash a sleek, all-black Dodge Turbo Interceptor driven by a helmeted, all-black-clad figure. Packard Walsh is the leader of a gang of thieves. He coerces people with sporty cars into racing their title of, for their title of their car. He controls everyone through so controls the whole town through intimidation, including Kerry Johnson, whom he views as his property. Kerry's boyfriend, Jamie Hankins, was mysteriously murdered, leaving no trace. Kerry, who was with him, was hospitalised with no memory of the traumatic event. Very convenient. Uh, Jake K- Casey uh, arrives in Brooks uh, riding a Honda dirt bike. He prevents uh, both Kerry and Jamie's brother, Billy Hawkins, who both work at Big Case Burgers. <laughs> they, <laughs> they later meet up at the Sun and Swing gathering at the local river, where Jake is seen to have knife scars on the back of his neck and back. Packard's control of the illegal races comes to a sudden end when the turbo interceptor appears seemingly from nowhere. The mysterious driver of the supercar is covered head to toe in black body armour and black racing helmet. The armour is adorned with metal braces resembling those worn by victims recovering from severe physical trauma. The driver wordlessly challenges Packard's gang to a race, explosively killing Oggy Fisher and later Minty in high-speed fiery crashes, which leave their bodies untouched except for burned-out eye sockets. The Turbo Interceptor then mysteriously reconstructs itself. Sheriff Loomis and his lawmen, Sheriff Loomis is played by Randy Quaid, uh, and his lawmen are always in hot pursuits, but the Turbo vanishes in a cloud of glowing light. Two more gang members, Skank and Gutterboy, always high on drugs, are later obliterated when the Wraith races the Turbo through the gang's isolated warehouse garage, crushing crushing in a huge explosion. With Picard's gang now destroyed, Rughead, the gang's tech geek, who alone among them has not participated in Jamie's murder, realises too late why the gang had been targeted. When Sheriff Loomis arrives at the scene of the destruction, Rughead tells him everything. After Picard witnesses Kerry kissing Jake, he kidnaps her from Big K's beating up Billy when he tries to intervene. When Picard tells her they're going to California, California, Kerry stands up to him and says she will never love him. Just as he gets out of the car and draws his knife on her, the turbo arrives, ready to challenge Picard to a race, a challenge he readily takes up, telling telling Kerry, we'll finish this later. But just like the other members of the gang, Picard is killed in an explosive head-on collision with the turbo, Sheriff Loomis calls off the hunt for the mysterious driver, observing roadblocks won't stop, something that can't be stopped. He adds, it's over. There's no one in Picard's gang left to kill. As Kerry arrives home at night, the turbo pulls up and the armoured driver emerges, transforming into Jake. You know who I am, he says to her. Kerry realises that Jake is the actually returned version of her dead boyfriend, Jamie. Who admits this is as close as I could 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 come to the one the person I once was. This think of this as a second chance. We were meant to be together. He then asks her to wait for him because he has one last thing to do. Uh, Jake startles Billy by driving the supercar of Big K's and handing handing him the turbo keys. He then tells Billy that his work is finished. But then Billy asks, "Who are you, bro?" Jake replies, "You said it, Billy." As Jake rides off on his dirt bike, Billy calls after him. Jake. Then he realizes, "Last Jamie." Jake picks up Kerry, whom Sheriff Loomis is now watching from a distance. Together, they ride off along the desert highway under a huge moon, leaving the past behind. So there we go. Ooh.
0: We are still the Manchester Movie More podcast. We are not the Randy Quaid. Movie podcast, uh, we not. Yeah, it's just a pure coincidence.
1: Randy
2: gets about, doesn't it? Like you know, Randy does so. and in, and in
0: gravitas where it's needed, as as he yeah. did um, Christmas Vacation as well. I think. Can I just say as well? The I think the the opening sequence to this film is absolutely brilliant. It sucks yeah. you. It draws you right in. I think they used it in the trailer as well, or or you know, most of it in the trailer. And of course it's the, you know, it's the bolts of light coming together in the, in the kind of the night sky along the roads and kind of, you know, exploding together in a big flash of light and the big turbo interceptor is, is born. And then there's a shot of the, um, the driver, uh, with, with the helmet on and, and the leather gear and, uh, yeah. and then the car beside him, it's just an absolutely brilliant opening because you, you watch it and you think, yes, I'm, I'm in, I'm down for this, let's go. <laughs>
1: Yeah the
2: opening's like a music video isn't it it's it's like it they're very much those big glamorous 80s music videos
1: the whole film yeah. is like a car advert isn't it uh, yeah. with 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 a music video attached yeah you're right and
2: you really linger on the car it, you can imagine the petrol heads at the time and the petrol heads to this day from what i've read online they were fist pumping Maybe more than fist pumping, <laughs> There's definitely some pumping going on. But When they saw that, um, that turbo interceptor, and apparently there's not many of those cars left in the world, uh, and those cars are worth a fortune now, but when they saw yeah. that film, they, they, they must have whooped and cheered a bit. But,
1: uh, I think they were worth a fortune back then as well. I think they were, there was only six of them made. I think they were all above a million dollars, and mm. they loaned I think, two of them to the film, and... Several, they had six uh, chassis that they stuck on dune buggies to, to do the racing with. So obviously, they weren't going to put the actual car at risk.
0: I think for the explosion yeah. scenes as well, they had a, they had a few dummies yeah. uh, rigged up, which were yeah. kind of you know they they looked like the car, but they they actually weren't they weren't, they weren't functioning cars. It's a
2: car that could only been made in the eighties, like
0: a Lamborghini Countach. It's so gratuitous and. <laughs> we were saying before it is is a little yeah. bit night rider-esque yeah the car i think they've obviously taken some of the design from that it's kind of your know, black and sleek and although slightly more kind of rounded at the front of the car it looks cool i'm not a car person myself but it's no, but a cool looking car yeah. it's basically if you
2: if you had um a, a, as a little kid you had a, a little um box full of toy cars that's the one you would go for and you'd whiz yeah. it around the floor a bit rather than the tow truck <laughs> so yeah. What, what? One thing I was thinking about after I watched this film is that uh, you mentioned in your summary at the beginning: there's not many places in the film, is it? This town is literally a creek, uh, a burger bar, a garage,
1: and teenagers. And teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> there's no adults. There's there's yeah. no responsibilities. There's no school. There's no like job jobs other than the burger bar, which only one creek. person really works at yeah and yeah. <laughs> the, the creek yeah there's not an awful lot to do over the, other than race cars
2: well you can go to the garage uh, which is run by a psychopathic uh, local criminal um and then there's the police station who tries to keep desperately tries to keep things in order and there's the desert tracks of course for racing um but that's actually that's pretty much If it was like a, a game of this film They'd be like those four locales to choose all the time, won't they? Yeah, i have go, go to the creek. Go to the...
1: Maybe, maybe this is what they do in Arizona, you know. if you're from Arizona, you know, please correct us. But you know, is there a lot else to do other than uh, race cars? I don't know.
0: And work <laughs> on both joints, maybe not. But I, I read as well at this film that the lack of locations for this film might, might be because um, I read that it was shot in 27 days, um, and they basically managed to, to nab Charlie Sheen for this film. Um, yeah. in the months before he left um, he left the Philippines to go and do um, to go and do Platoon so he kind of had a month free and they, they kind of managed to kind of snag him before he went off to do that film which which you know he got a lot yeah. of claim for um, I, know, I know Lee and Rob you were you were quite, quite critical both of you of uh, Charlie Sheen's performance in this one
2: It reminded me of that line from Handbags and the Rags: the Rod Stewart song where once I was a young boy and all he had to do was smile because literally, that's all, <laughs> all Charlie Sheen does in this film is do a toothy, um, pretty boy smile, and, and everything falls into place for him. Um, he doesn't actually act in the film. Uh, there's a, there's, a, yeah. there's a there's about a twenty minute scene at the creek uh, where he gets to know the girl who was his ex-girl, who was his girlfriend when he was alive, but we don't know this at that point. Um, and the floating around the lilos, aren't they in the creek? And uh, yeah. oh, it's it's so awkward. It's almost like they, di- they weren't given a script, and uh, it's just uh, yeah. So different, different
0: yeah, the, the question then is: Is that Charlie Sheen's fault for you know acting, or or was he working with what he was given? Was he was he kind of told to, to play it like that?
2: Maybe I'm harsh because it's no different than what Tom Cruise did for 15 years, is it? Tom Cruise just smiled in every film for the first exactly.
1: years. The dialogue isn't great, but I looked up Mike Marvin, the director-writer's uh, credits, and I don't think he was in a lot after this or before it, really, so... It's not hardly surprising, really, but I thought actually thought his brother, the Billy character, he was a, a better actor, really. Well, he, he was the old yeah. him, and well, Randy Quaid was obviously pretty good, but Billy at least showed some emotion. I think they, pretty much everybody else was pretty emotionless, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, I think
0: Billy's name, but but yeah, he, he certainly does give a better performance than Charlie Sheen does. I think he's he's asked to emote Matthew quite a bit Barry. more as well, Matthew Barry. Yeah, he he does well in this film.
2: He's good. Yes, the tone of the film is quite strange as well, isn't it? Because you've gone, you know, you've got that um, science fiction, you've got that futurism, and then you've also got that like, the zaniness of it, which is a very eighties thing, isn't it? You've got you've got these guys working, those two drug heads working in the garage, who are yeah. um, the complete they're, they're skank. like they're the skanks. Even the names, they're like comic relief in the film, aren't they? Like they're always like you know giggling. To as well. yeah. Good to <laughs> yeah. Fire, yeah. And uh, they are apparently what one of them. I was looking. I was Wikipediaing like crazy when I was watching the film, and I think it's the the, the main one of the goons. He he um, he runs acting workshops now, so <laughs> so, <laughs> so so he's actually teaching people how to do this now. So so
0: he's it, been at it a long time. If he's still if he's still acting now, I suppose this was what nineteen eighty six. So.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, thirty-five I mean, years I, ago. Her career. What? The, let's talk about the hot babe in it what's, what's she called the girlfriend? Um, Cheryl, Cheryl Finn.
1: Finn.
2: Cheryl Finn I mean, she, she's um, she didn't do much more, did she? It kind of it abruptly ends. Uh, she, she had, I had think an odd
0: career where she. Uh, the last boxing thing. I, Elena was Yeah, it? the last last thing I remember was that boxing Elena film from about nineteen ninety three, and that was the yeah. one that actually uh, Kim Bassinger had um, had walked out of, and the, the makers of the film had sued her for kind of breach of contract but i mean by all accounts that film was a by a mess i haven't seen it myself so yeah. i can't really i can't really say if it was but I,
2: actually i didn't you know when i watched it i didn't immediately think oh there's helene <laughs>
0: there's
2: a blazer yeah she does i mean she's got that um 80s stunner thing going hasn't she
0: oh yeah, yeah one of the interesting facts about this film was at the time she was going out with johnny depp and so johnny oh, depp was kind of hanging around this set like a like penny throughout the 27 days so he, he he would have been you know present while this film was being shot i think they yeah.
1: originally wanted him for the main role didn't they but uh he obviously couldn't make mm-hmm. it but
0: i don't know if, i don't know if he was wanted or if he wanted the role i i heard that he wanted the role yeah. but like charlie sheen was more oh, of okay. a more kind of bankable it it could be that but maybe they did want johnny depp he just to hang around mm-hmm. the set instead
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> just yeah, <sitting> around sounds- <laughs> <laughs> sounds better so yeah. Oh, yeah Rob
0: you mentioned the tone of this film yeah f- for me I think one of the, the the biggest disappointments watching this film now after I mean I did see this in the 80s uh, on VHS probably once or twice you know rented it from the video shop and um Lee, you mentioned the poster for this film was kind of your inspiration yeah. for picking this. I and- had,
1: uh, there was two posters, wasn't there? There's, there's a one where there's a, the group of characters by the road. Yes. And, and weirdly, the villain, the uh, Packard character mm-hmm. is in that group. He's with like the, with Jake and the other ones. And he's, he's at the back of it, which doesn't make any sense why the villain will be with that, with the rest of the mm-hmm. group. Uh, but the one I had on the wall was the the classic one where he's, he's, he's beside the car with the yeah. suit on, yeah. the one
0: with the Mad Max kind of vibes. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And,
0: yeah. and I think for me, the, the story of the posters. It, explains the kind of the problem of the tone of this film because uh, in the uk and probably elsewhere in the world i think it was this was classed in 18 i don't know if it would be 18 now oh, no back in the days of kind of 80s vhs it was an 18 and so the poster i think reflected the uk poster which is the the mad maxi one kind of reflected yeah. that whereas yeah the us poster now in the us this was pg-13 and watching it now i think yeah I can see it's PG-13 kind of rated material for the most part and the poster kind of is is almost a bit like you know a film like the Goonies or or Explorers if you remember that one from from the mid-80s yeah, kind yeah, of looks yeah, like that yeah. they are all kind of looking down the road in wonder at something and the road is lit it's almost like they're trying to sell it as this kind of you know teen adventure and of course it's not that and I think I think they, they were so busy trying to push for this PG-13 certificate, making the material, you know, much too lightweight that they kind of lost what they should have done with the film, which I th- I think they should have done, which was to make it really, really dark and kind of, you know, gory and violent and bloody and think that, you know, really go into the themes about death and loss and sadness and all this. And it kind of just skirts over all that, I think, unfortunately, but that, yeah. that's, that's true. I think they should have gone. And I do wonder if maybe it was much darker originally before the film producers got involved and said, well, we'll do the film, but we need to kind of market it like this breakfast club kind of audience that, that will, a PG-13 audience that will go and see it and try and make it like a kind of a team movie. And But for, for me, it's just a mistake. They they should have gone for like a, a good solid R rating in, in, in the States and, and really gone for it, you know? Well, the thing goes about Vengeance films,
2: usually you are on board with a character to see this terrible atrocity done against them and then you are completely on their side when they extract their revenge. Now, in this film, the vengeance is happening, but it's just shown little nods in flashbacks,
0: isn't it? It's almost not enough. enough. It shows enough of it, it, do they?
2: What's the Clint Eastwood one where he's been hung and and then he goes around to there? Yeah, and this was
0: a noted influence. Uh, The director said this was the High Plains Drifter. And in fact, there's a scene in the creek early on where on Charlie Sheen's back, there's a number of scars. And we find out later that these are the kind of the must be the kind of the knife wounds inflicted by um by Packard Walsh and his gang. Um but yeah, we don't see enough of it. And and to be honest, like Packard Walsh and the others, they almost come across as like goons throughout the rest of the film. I don't know, what, what do you guys think about that? I don't think Packard Walsh comes across apart from a scene where they, they kind of do the murder very briefly, they don't really come across as like villains who are like yeah. You know the kind of stupid. You know, they come
1: across a bit more, bit bit more camp, really, don't they? And he yeah, he seems yeah. noticeably older, doesn't he? He looks like he's in his forties. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think I think that's not the for fault. I looked at pictures and he just wanted. He, he looked very similar now, but with grey hair to how he did then. And I think the problem is is that nobody. It's not until you start watching the film. He is like the main character in the film, isn't he? If you think
0: about how much screen time he gets, yeah, and when he does John get seen doesn't get a lot of one thing I noticed yeah. this time is Charlie Sheen. I mean, I don't remember having watched this in the eighties, Charlie Sheen being in it. So th- that kind of may indicate that, uh, and I noticed this time he, he's not in a lot of it for a big section of the middle of the film. He's, he's just not around, you know, especially when he's kind of suited up as the Wraith, that'll be yeah, a little, it possible, won't it? So maybe there is some great there's some great,
2: there's great scenes with the bully. I mean, one of my favorites is when he slashes his hand, um, it and then licks the blood to oh yeah it. his own
0: hand yeah <laughs> that's supposed to make him look really scary but you know to me he just looks a bit of a, a bit of an idiot
2: <laughs> and it's quite funny whenever, it, whatever it, i mean what a way to win a woman back there's one point where he throws her over his shoulder like a caveman um there's one point where he says like if you can't have anyone you have no one and like he's basically threatening to kill her in public all the time um,
1: They're basically just a bunch of losers, really, aren't they? They can't get women the normal way. They're kind of all pretty camp. They, they look like, uh, you know, they've got no life. They're just kind of working in this workshop as slaves to Packard. Pack and it's just uh, pathetic, really. But you were talking about the influences of the movie. Apparently, there's a movie called The California Kid. Uh, with yeah. Martin Sheen his dad that follows along very similar lines I think it was the 70s movie very similar plot line yeah it
0: was it was a. it's 1973 it was it was a US TV movie of the week which he used to do in the early 70s yeah it's called The California Kid and it is it, the full film's on YouTube so if anyone's interested it's it's there I have to say I haven't watched it all I watched the first few minutes but yeah apparently this there, there are quite a few similarities to this so yeah that's definitely one to check out if, uh, if, if you're interested in nepotism actually speaking of nepotism this this cast in this film is quite quite nepotism heavy. If you think about who's who's in this we've got um, we've got Charlie Sheen, of course you're not know, related to Martin mm-hmm. Sheen and uh, many directors mm-hmm. and so on. We've got Nick cassavetes who's the son of actor and kind of filmmaking author um, John we have got Clint Howard. Clint Howard of course who's the, who's the brother of Ron uh, I wonder what Clint Howard thought when he was making this film he thought hmm my brother Ron's yeah. just made Cocoon and I'm in I'm <laughs> yeah. an wearing like a big fright wig and uh... anyway and the other one uh, of course is Randy Quaid who uh, of course stands on his own two feet but of course he is the brother of uh, Dennis Quaid yeah, yeah it's quite uh, it's almost like a kind of a, su- a substitutes list
2: <laughs> especially like if it was made now Quite often, you're drawn into a film by the cast, aren't you? Um, yes. like, and they're they're quite notable names in the '80s, and you would have like it would have drawn in an audience who were you know just checking it out, and they probably would have been quite confused by the all you know, because they would have entered it thinking it's this horror or it's this this thriller, and then it's uh...
0: one of this film's best assets is of course it's it's uh, driving sequences which are which are you know pretty full on you know they are they're yeah, not supposed yeah. to be. In fact, um, this film's dedicated to a chap called Bruce In- uh, Ingram. He was a camera operator yeah. and he was, he was killed yeah. because one of, the, um, uh, one of the cars that was loaded up with, with camera equipment was overloaded. Mm-hmm. And it, during, during one of the races, it kind of, I think it flipped over. And it all returned and, uh, and he he was killed.
1: The cars that they gave the, the cameraman to to use at the time were, were pathetic. They were kind of all over the road. They kind of built them these cheap cars and they were, were trying to drive them at 80, 90 mile an hour. And, you know, it was a sort of accident waiting to happen. But I believe it wasn't just him. I think there was sort of seven. He was killed, but I think seven other people were injured at the time wow. as well. So, yeah, yeah pretty- that's right. This was this was done. This was filmed in twenty seven days. So you kind of wonder, you know, were they rushing through the scenes?
0: Charlie Sheen was was about to leave, wasn't he, to go and do platoon yeah. uh so yeah i, I expect they, they probably were the other thing about this film was it wasn't kind of it wasn't low budgeted it according to the um according to the figures it was i've read it says it's it had a budget of 2.7 million dollars which is actually quite i suppose it's high-ish for a film you know that mm-hmm. in the uk probably just went went straight to video maybe brief cinema release but yeah you you'd have thought with a film with that kind of budget that they'd have been making sure that the cars were rigged properly but i mean this this problem you know reared its head again some years later with you know on the set of the crow which was another high budget film where yeah. you know things weren't done properly and this safety wasn't followed and uh, you know these this this i don't know if it really happens today i don't know but uh, i think it, it it must still happen uh, but it happened quite a lot in the 80s yeah it just just doesn't get publicized
2: does it maybe and um you know, uh, uh, the Crow one's tragic. If, I know it's a different film, but um, it was a close up of real bullets, wasn't it? That's so right. a close up yeah. scene, and then of course they didn't replace the bullets with the with the,
0: with the with and then the, that was the end of it. Out properly, yeah. and it wasn't picked up. Because yeah. They're all working at night, and you know, working kind of two long days and things like that. When
2: you watch these films, though, these eighties films, I was, I just, we never questioned that cars were made of tinder, tinder wood, did we? That cars, <laughs> the cars when they're touched explode. Because um, I used to watch The A-Team, of course, and I used to watch Night Road, and I used to watch all these things. And I never once do I remember anyone in my family saying
1: that wouldn't happen.
0: Do you mean the phenomenon of like a car just rolling down a hill quite slowly and then just exploding?
1: And also the workshop explosion as well. That was so over the top, wasn't it? It was um, like yeah. somebody had dropped a nuclear bomb <laughs> yeah. on the, on the <laughs> yeah. building.
0: But you, you, you know, could, you could tell that's probably where they had a lot of the uh, budget um, kind of invested yeah. with that explosion. I mean, that was that was a good, yeah. very satisfying explosion. I mean, cinematically, it looks it looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I like did you
2: um, did you work out why they lose their eyes? Why their eyes? Are gone? I Is was that because? Of, I, I, yeah,
0: yeah I, I couldn't figure it out with the film uh, by watching the film. <laughs> the film wasn't able to explain it. So I, I went to um, I, I, there was an interview with the director where he said. That just before the collision, there's like a there's like a burst, of, uh, like a he'd inserted in the film, like a quick burst of bright white light, like a frame of it, mm. and that was meant to sh- that was meant to kind of burn out their eye sockets. Ah. Okay.
2: But again,
0: he, he, even in his even in the interview, he didn't really explain why, but he said that was what had happened.
2: Uh, can you can you also tell me? I think Lee mentioned it in the summary actually about why he kept on seeing like a. Uh, a walking support. Uh, yeah, the, the braces. Yeah, the braces. The leg braces. What, what was that about? Was that,
1: I um, assumed it was something to do with each t- each time he killed a member of the gang. That was part of his his injury gone and his ability oh, okay. to to like form into his, his human self was was then permanent. Once he'd killed everybody he could then return to Earth as his human self or something. But yeah, it's not explained at all. That sounds a bit
2: Hellraiser ish, but less graphic. Yes. In Hellraiser the guys living in the attic with no skin. And he's yeah. he's slowly um, eating people, isn't it? So I become more human.
0: <laughs> Guys, this is an 80s film, and as such, it yeah. has um it has a pretty um has a pretty impressive soundtrack in terms of the artists that revolved involved in the uh, in, in the production of it. I noticed there's Ozzy Osbourne. Billy Idol. Billy Idol is on it, yes. And and uh, it was, I think the whole album was produced... Robert by Palmer as well. Robert Palmer's yeah. on there. The whole album's produced yeah. by... Bonnie Tyler's on it as well, bizarrely. And, <laughs> and I, think that, I think they were kind of lining up a big soundtrack release. Now, Lee, I know you're the vinyl expert among us. Did you... Did you do any look in, into the release of this album at all?
1: I don't know whether it ever made a vinyl release, but I'm a member of YouTube Music, so I subscribe to that. So it's on the full album's on there and it's well worth a listen. That's gonna make your afternoon go quite quickly if you put that on. Is it pumping? Yeah, it's, it's pumping. pumping. It's, yeah. it's very
0: kind of rocky, Rocky Four esque, isn't it? It's um, it's I think it's on Scott Scotty Brothers. Label who did the uh, the Rocky soundtracks of the eighties as well, so yeah, definitely gets you uh, gets you nice and fired fired and pumped up. So the soundtrack is uh, soundtracks are good, and so if you've got
1: probably the best thing of the movie really is the yeah. soundtrack. To be fair, <laughs> it's, it, it is kind of like a music video. It's kind of a car commercial, I believe it was financed by the car companies i know we, you were talking about the numbers earlier Carl. but i think most of that came from the car companies themselves i see
0: so they they were kind of just they've they probably made their money then if they've uh, taken donations from the car companies it probably didn't matter that yeah. the film only took 1.4 million in the us so it was considered a bomb worldwide it took three and a half at the cinema but my guess is so i mean it just kind of beat out its budget worldwide but my guess is this was a big hit on vhs a big rent on vhs so that's probably where it would have made you know some of its money back yeah it's always re-released it's a cult title you know the you said you it's when you remember just from the poster i remember renting it a couple of times in the 80s so it must have been it must have had some kind of weight uh it must have had some kind of um you know success on vhs i think i found it quite difficult to find negative obviously the critics didn't like them amongst
2: like just normal journals it's hard to find a, a negative review. People absolutely love this film. Um, if you if you just type it in and you know type in reviews after the word the rave, there is. I can little, understand why. You know, yeah. yeah,
1: it's a it's a fun movie. To, I didn't like it. Flew by an hour and a half. Flew by explosions, car races.
0: It's not a bad film <laughs> at all. I, I think my my biggest grumble with it is just I just think it could have been done far far better yeah it's wasted opportunity it, yeah it's it almost awesome. like a wasted opportunity and um and, and you know i i really appreciate the influences we talked about high plains drifter and um, the bit with um with charlie sheen kind of displaying scars on his back clint easter did another mm-hmm. western that was kind of about a um you know someone coming back which is pale rider which was out just the year before this yeah. and on there's a scene in that where he gets his back out and it's full of kind of uh, scars of bullet holes. Mm. So obviously, the director's uh, very taken with High Plains Drifter
1: and um Pl- uh, Pale Rider. It reminded me a bit of Christine as well. You know, oh, the I car. yes, I love yeah, that. Absolutely, yeah. that's a great film. Although that's very much the car controlling everything, isn't it? It's yes, the yeah. sentient uh, evil car. But yeah, the 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 revenge, the bullies. The, the obviously, this was a big big theme in the eighties, wasn't it? This bullying. Uh, He's bullying teenagers and they're seeking revenge on them. But Absolutely. yeah, that's a that's that's a that's a good. If you want to watch a good killer car movie, yeah, watch Christine. Christine's yeah, a good
0: one. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this is not a bad film. It's an enjoyable film. And the other thing I noticed was that the some of the cars. There's one of the cars. I think it's one of the yellow ones. Is decked out a bit like you know the the VA interceptor from Mad Max. It's kind of got like the. It's not a spoiler at the front, but like a, I don't know if it's you know a oh. thing that sticks out of the top of. the... Uh, uh, the the engine that's sticking out the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. It reminded me a little bit of v V8 interceptor from, uh, from Mad Max One and Two. Um, so obviously that's been us. I think maybe with the the car stunts as well. But yeah, it's it's not a bad film. I I just think um, it, it does pass ninety minutes quite nicely, quite tidily. But I, I do wonder if they could have with with a bit more, a bit of a less trying to go for the PG thirteen audience. You know, made it made it a lot darker and kind of a bit more somber. Um, because we were talking earlier as well, weren't we about the, um, the scenes at the end, the kind of, the scenes at the end where, you know, the, the gang has been killed off. Revenge has been kind of taken. And Charlie Sheen has to, Jamie or Jake has to kind of, you know, settle accounts with, with his girlfriend and with his brother
2: yeah and so how did he do it with his with his brother he pins a triple homicide on his brother by giving him the car <laughs>
0: yeah. so. yes so the, he, he gives the murder he gives the murder weapon to his to his brother to keep and uh yeah he he takes the uh yeah, he takes the motorbike and he, he's clean
1: kerry's quite happy to walk off with the the ghost of a, a dead boyfriend he, Yeah.
0: where are kerry's parents yeah where are they going? doesn't kerry have parents what are they like what will they what are they going to do does she like
1: them <laughs> obviously they've been murdered by Picard as well they? <laughs> maybe, maybe,
0: they maybe that was one of the darker subplots that we, we didn't get to see um, is it like a real
2: evangelical thing? Like he's, when he says, like, we're going to a new world, is he like going to just drive off a cliff with her on the back? Or something? It might be like you in the end of Greece,
0: you know, where they kind of go, go flying off in the car, but maybe they could have flown off on, on the bike. Oh, I hate that. Oh, God. What, you I hate Greece?
2: Greece.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you mention Greece, anyone mentions Greece, I shave them. It's uh, not never seen not, not a favorite of mine, Greece, I have to say. But yeah, we were talking before about the actor who plays the uh, the brother. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Lee. We were we were discussing via message earlier in the week that there could have been a bit more uh, emotional story backstory with with the character of Jamie and his brother.
1: Yeah, because he's showing quite a bit of emotion, isn't he? And and it's just not reciprocated.
0: No, it's almost like yeah, okay, well done. Yeah, you can carry on with your life now. Here's a car. That's also the murder weapon. Off you go, and he's you know he's really upset, isn't he? He's, um, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I did think, why why is he just left his brother kind of hanging there, still obviously quite traumatized and upset? He, yeah. I can understand why he's why he's gone off on a on a bike with Cheryl Fenn. I can completely understand that. Well, yeah. But um at the same time, you know, with with your, I, I just wonder if perhaps he should have been a bit more. They should have been. A, they should have had a scene a scene together where they had a talk, or I don't know, maybe it would have been corny, but I I thought the film needed something like that.
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah. It was a missed opportunity. He could have like inquired how, how his parents were doing, you know, or something. Yeah. How's mum and dad. Didn't check in with mum and dad or anything. Yeah. There's no like emotional intelligence. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Sometimes 80s films had a, you know, the mythology explained in tights, you know, like I was thinking like Highlander where like it pretty much tells you about this battle through the ages and there must be one. I was expecting some white writing at the beginning to explain mm. this. Uh, why is allowed to see? Why is he allowed back from the dead to extract his revenge? Um, you know, because I thought it was that tone of film, but nothing came. Really.
0: No, I must say I told you guys the other day that i I only had like a little page of notes on the wraith. I don't mm. know if that means it's it's because I I don't know. Was it rep, repetitious or was there not a lot to it? Perhaps I just wasn't in the mood to take any notes. But I've, I think I've literally gone through them all here.
1: So what's it gonna be, boys? Is this one rot in the morgue or make it on the helicopter to freedom?
2: It was a perfect film for me to just completely escape into, you know, just completely. Yeah. It was completely relaxing. You certainly didn't have to stretch your brain too much. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I had a smile on my face all the way through it. So that's not a bad sign. I suppose. It's really tricky, actually, because I, I keep on. I mean, it's got glaring faults all the way through it, but so many films have. But I keep on coming back to that entertainment thing, which is what, you know, the reason why we watch films. And yeah. I, I generally was quite entertained in a kind of perverse way, almost like laughing at someone uh, falling over in a kind of kind of the same amusement. Um, and there's lots of people falling over in that sense. And so I'm, it's weird, but it, I'm going to have it just ambling away from the morgue. Um, oh. and, and maybe it's you guys talking me around, but before we started tonight, I was thinking it's a definite morgue for me. Um but I generally I was recalling because I watched it pretty early days, I watched it last week and I was generally giggling and cackling. <laughs> and you can watch a film as like, you know, a serious dramatic piece and treat it as it is. Or you can get get out of a film what you want to get out of it. Yeah. And what yeah. and I got lots of com- I got comedy gold out of this film. Um so- <laughs> if I watched it the second time, maybe I wouldn't be as entertained, but I don't think it's terrible enough to live for eternity in the morgue. I think it is, you know, it's definitely a cultural piece. It's a cult movie and it's become a cult movie for a reason. And it's probably a film that Charlie Sheen doesn't want us to talk about much, but there again, <laughs> Charlie Sheen would probably want us to talk about anything now. Uh, so in hindsight, I'm going to say, yeah, the, um, he takes the Dodge, um, we take the car back off the brother and we drive, but we're trailed by the, the Morgue police you know, <laughs> for the, the triple homicide and they want to bring me back to the Morgue. So in that sense, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save it, which I,
0: I have no idea I was going to do that, but I'm going to save That's it. That's a
1: surprise. Yeah, I'm surprised. Carl, what did you think?
0: So The Wraith is not a bad film. There's obvious talent behind it. Charlie Sheen, Nick Cassavetes, Clint Howard. You know, he's, he's a good actor. He, t- he turns up in lots of things. Sherilyn Fenn's a good actress. Randy Quaid gives it gravitas. The opening's really good. I was really sold with the opening. The car stunts are great. And the, 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 the script presumably was darker. It can, can you know, is, is one of my thoughts. It must have been darker to start with. And I think they must have tried to tinker with it to make it more PG-13-y for the US release. And I, I did like the influences straight away when I saw Charlie Sheen's back. I was like, ah, mm. yeah. He's someone's been watching uh, *Pale Rider*, and there's a really good line yeah. where he's—I think he's talking. To, Charlie Sheen talks about his brother, and he says, "Oh, oh no, no, it's um, it's not Charlie Sheen. It's Packard." And he looks at Charlie Sheen, and he has a line where he says something like, "Oh yeah, he seems he seems familiar to me," which I thought was a really good, really good line. It's, it's again, it's similar to a line from either *High Plains Drifter*. Pale Rider I can't remember which because they those two films both intertwine in my mind I think my my biggest grumble about it as I said earlier was just how how good this film could have been versus you know how good it, it is it's fine as it is I, I just think they could have been they, they could have done so much more with this just with a few little tweaks here and there not by you know up in the budget or anything like that but just with a few story uh story tweaks here and there, a bit more exposition, you know, a bit more backstory with the brother. And it could have been a, really could have been a knockout, you know, a real, a real classic kind of uh, B movie as it is. It's an okay B movie. Am I going to send it to the morgue? No, I'm not going to, because I mean, the, the, the very reason, the very reason that you picked this film was because you remember the poster. I mean, and on that basis alone, you've got to think this is a cult film. The imagery of this film is strong. Mm. Um, we talked about the opening of the film being, you know, what a piece of uh, montage, that couple of, first couple of minutes. So I, I was really torn this week, because I watched it about a week ago, and I've been really torn thinking, what am I going to do with this? But I can't, I cannot, I can't send it to the morgue. I can't, because it's, it's got too much kind of cultural value, if that makes sense to be banished forever. If we think about the other films that we've put in there, with one possible exception, they've all been been terrible. You know, this is not a terrible film. I think it's a film that could have been much, much better. But having said that, it's a cult item. I remember it uh, from the 80s. It was a very, very popular film that people talked about at school, so no, I'm I'm going to allow the Wraith to uh, uh, drive off into the sunset with Sherilyn Fenn.
1: For me, I felt a bit conflicted here with, with this film because I was thinking last night I was struggling to sleep and I was thinking, how can I send this film on the helicopter f- to freedom when we sent Over the Top into the morgue? <laughs> and <laughs> I actually think Over the Top is a better movie than this, but I enjoyed this movie more. I enjoyed the Wraith more. It, it just... Uh, It had better soundtrack. It was just, there was more kind of exciting set pieces, you know, explosions, more going on. There was more even more 80s cheese and over the top, I think. And I think it was just that part of, you know, sending this into the morgue would be sending a piece of your childhood really into the morgue.
0: Like over the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, guys, I was, sorry, do you think we should recall over the top? Is, is this what we're saying from these conversations?
1: I was just going to say, Trump recently left office and gave lots of pardons to uh, his, his buddies <laughs> in office. And I think we, we need to give a political <laughs> pardon. I
0: love this idea.
1: It's over the top, and 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 we'll we'll send that on the helicopter. We'll, we'll free it.
0: We'll Should we, we meet over they'll... the top halfway? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think the soundtrack alone gets it one foot out of the morgue. Yeah, mm. yeah. And you know, like you say, it's got some good good characters in there. The the, the Mad Max gang of the the really colourful characters aren't they? Skank and and gutter boy. and, yeah, and, and, and you're not. It, it, Every minute is entertaining, it's, it's pretty much even some of the like funny dialogue that they throw away, you know, and they're drinking uh hydraulic fluid yeah. and things like that. You kind of like, oh man, I'm tweaking, man, and all this kind of 80s dialogue. Like,
2: no and, tweaking, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> is it well directed and well written? No, it's not. It is rushed, and then, but obviously, you've got the glorious cars in there and the and just the burger joint i mean i would love them to be in the uk wouldn't we if we had, if we had the uh, the roller yeah. skated uh, burger joint the
0: the burger joint set was actually constructed specifically for the film and they pulled it down once uh, once no. they finished shooting so it's not no, exactly. not, a, not a real location i'm sorry to say i was disappointed yeah. when i read that
1: oh no so yes, the dialogue was wooden and the, you know, the acting was, was sorry, the dialogue was rubbish and the, the acting was wooden, but somehow there's like an enjoyable film out of it. So yeah, it's going to be on that helicopter Yay. to freedom with the uh, the full suit and, uh, you know, the car towed behind it. That's brilliant. Cool. So it's Carl's your choice it next, is. isn't it? What, what are you going to choose?
0: So we're, we're the Manchester Movie Morgue, of course, and um, I thought we hadn't kind of dipped back into our... Cultural heritage since you know since the Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, so I thought we should try and celebrate one of the area's fav- favourite cinematic sons. Um, we'll Taking a look at Albert Finney. Oh, I love
2: Finney.
0: However, I'm I'm a bit stuck as to which film to choose. So I thought in the next oh. few days, what we could do is run a little um, run a little uh, poll on Twitter. I've got two films in mind for this poll. Uh, one of them is called Charlie Bubbles, and that's um, the film that Albert Finney directed and is set largely in Manchester, also a yeah. few in, in London. The other one's a science fiction film he was in called Looker, which is directed by, person we know well, Michael Crichton, in the runaway that we talked about. I I'm not sure about the third one yet. I'm, I might make it Miller's Crossing, which was um, a film that he got a lot of acclaim for in the, the early 1990s, uh, kind of a gangster gangster film. So I think what we'll do is we'll we'll run a little poll on um on Twitter through the Manchester Movie Morg, uh account and we'll see which one which film picks up the most votes and we'll we'll take it from there.
1: Excellent. Okay boys and girls well uh, thanks for tuning in again to this one and uh, we'll see you again. Good night. Bye bye.
0: Bye
2: bye.